And when we were, we were all wrapping up, the one attendant came up to me and said, I don't know if I'll ever be like you. It was like I was looking at myself in the mirror and I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You are the only you there will ever be. That's it. The, the chances of you being born again in this whole universe ever again is absolutely astronomically out of reach. You are so unique. You are so talented. You have so many gifts that you, you can give the world that nobody else can. And when you start to see the value of that, it just, it, it brings something up inside of you that you can start to build on. Like, I am valuable. I do have something to give. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's going to help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. Okay, welcome everybody back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today I have a great friend of mine. He's a multiple best-selling author. He is a prolific speaker. He's just a fantastic human. And I'm super excited about this conversation. We were just having a conversation before we hit record that it's one of those things that every time I get to talk to this gentleman, you never know what you're going to get, which makes it super exciting. A lot of fun. I'm always learning from him. Uh, his experiences, which I know is going to be super valuable as we share those stories with you today. So today I want to welcome Dan Armstrong, the one, the only, the legend from uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Randy. We always know when someone is not from Lancaster, when they say Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs) Lancaster. It's the weirdest thing but it, it always pops right to the forefront when you when you hear somebody say where you're from. So, but thanks for having me. I so appreciate the opportunity to to share my life and some stories and perhaps some uh, gems of wisdom for people to take away. So, before we go further, tell me how to pronounce it. Then, obviously, I'm doing it wrong. It's it's not it's not Lancaster. It's it's say it again. It's kind of Lang Lang L A N G. Yeah, Lancaster. Lancaster. Yeah, Lancaster. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I don't think I'll ever get that right, but I'm going to practice that after we get off this podcast here. Okay. Does that sound like fun? Yeah. <laughs> the day I'll be like Lancaster or whatever. You have to slur it right together. Lancaster. <laughs> Lancaster. Lancaster. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Lancaster. Yeah. Well, now every time I introduce you or think about where you are or where you're from, that's going to come top of mind. So that's whether or not the folks listening will find that value or not, we'll find out. But anyways, Dan, super excited that you're here, man. Can you take just a couple of minutes, let everybody know who you are, just a little bit of, you know, a little bit of texture of of kind of the things you've you've accomplished, things you've done. That way people get to know you a little bit better, just like I have. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I was born in Lancaster and uh, I was I was born with a cleft palate and a very uh, difficult speech impediment to overcome. I was in the Lancaster Cleft Palate Clinic probably every month for years until they could build a plate to fix what surgery couldn't fix. And that, that plate is something that is still with me today, many, many of them, but without it, I can't have a conversation like we're having and use you would have to pause every so often and say something like, can you repeat that? Because it's it's a very air-filled uh, quality of speech. And I, and I always thought it was funny when they say you have a different quality of speech because I always thought quality was good. And I thought, well, it's not good. It's a horrible quality. So I grew up with that. I grew up with a family that was very encouraging and loving. And they 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 uh, we ha- we had a singing group, the Armstrong family singers. I wish I had an album here. I usually have one nearby, but I don't today. And we would travel all all over the country. It was a, a, a gospel quartet type group, and I I was I had to sing one of the solos, and it it really was a stretch for me to be put on stage like that. But my mom and dad acted like I didn't have a problem, and that's probably what helped me overcome a lot of it when I was younger. 
So that's that's my background. That's where I'm coming from. Basically, something I had to overcome and, and really think about even today as we speak. You know, most people don't realize. Some people don't realize that when when you have a a deficit or a birth defect, that it doesn't just go away. So when I'm speaking to you right now, I am actually thinking about what I'm saying before I say it and trying to look for the right words so I don't have to pronounce other words because I think it, it would come across as a better message. So that's kind of my young years background, Randy. I hope that was helpful. No, absolutely. So had you not described that to me back when we first met, it's been a little over a year ago now, maybe a year and a half, give or take a month or two, but you described that to me and I didn't realize that that was, you know, a thing, your cleft palate. You speak so well, in my opinion, and I'm sure it's through practice, through a lot of determination, through a lot of this in your own mind, right? They figuring out what you want to say before you want to say it, that You've gotten very good at it to the point where, you know, as I said, that had you not mentioned it to me, you would not even know that that was even a thing. You know, Randy, sometimes I feel like a puppet. And there's this person back here with knowledge, with wisdom, with strength, with character, and it's coming through me like this, right? So in my weakness, I'm I'm the I'm I'm the puppet, but in my strength, I'm the puppeteer. And I think some of your puppeteering comes from your your faith your education, the people that support you, your support groups, you know, masterminds, and obviously your own self-study. So yeah, it it's not something that goes away. It's something I I've had to deal with, but it's something that has made me strong. Uh, it's something that I can look at, I can say to somebody else and say, hey, I, I get it. You know, I get it. I get what you're going through. And I'm still going through it. You know, I haven't arrived. It's always a continuous journey, isn't it? It never ends, yeah. for sure. Well, let's dive into the questions here real quick and, and get a little bit more. That that in and of itself was just fantastic wisdom that you shared. And, I, and I, that's where I cannot wait to get into this conversation. I know it's going to be super valuable. We'll dive into these questions and we'll see where we go from there. But okay. number one is who has had the biggest influence on your life, Dan? That That's pretty easy because my parents, and 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 I feel bad for people that that didn't have parents that were strong and encouraging and, you know, or people that lose a parent, whether they move on from their lives or they 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 pass away early. My parents uh, were such a strong influence in my life. I, I think, I think back to how many times my mother would come to school and pick me up because uh, something happened that was very traumatic. Uh, if I may share a story Please. That was actually in a book called Think Big, which you and I are co-authors in. I was, uh, I believe, second or third grade and out in the playground by myself. I didn't have a lot of friends because they couldn't understand me. And I was I had my little fingers on the back of the backstop of the uh, the softball mesh, the ball diamond. But they were playing kickball. And I was watching the game and there were older kids. And all of a sudden behind me, about four or five kids from a, a class up from me came up from behind me and I didn't hear them and they grabbed me and they threw me down on the ground. And, uh, I don't know if they tried it, but there was an, an anthill, a very, a very large one. And I, they laid me on top of that. And the ants started to come out, you know, and come up and crawl in my shirt and down my back. But in the meantime, they were holding me down and making me spell my name, A.R. Uh, Armstrong. And as I was spelling it, of course, some of the letters come out very, a lot of air behind them, like Arm, Armstrong, A-R-M, F, F, you know, it wasn't S, it was F. And they were laughing and spitting and just making a lot of, really making fun of me. And eventually, I mean, I started to cry because, you know, you're being held down on a playground. Nobody's coming to your rescue. More people are watching. Ants are crawling through my clothing and on my skin. And... A teacher yelled, you know, get away, boys, whatever. So I stood up and I started brushing all this stuff. I could feel them. I could feel the bites. And I ran to her side thinking that she was my rescue. And instead, she looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? You know, what are you are you stupid? She said something so 
so horribly that it, it just I was I just crumpled down and I, I rolled up like a little like in a fetal position. They called my parents. I don't remember where I went from there, but I do remember in, in my memory, I do remember sitting in a bath of Epsom salt and my mother bathing me with all these bites all over me from ants. And she said, someday, you know, God's going to use you. Someday you're going to tell your story. You're going to be able to help other people believe this, Danny. And I didn't believe it. You know, I was a little kid sitting in a bathtub that was just beat up that can't even tell people how I feel. So, but my mother was the kind of person that would sow her life into other people more than she would herself. I mean, she, she had a lot to give and it was from her childhood. You know, she was, they were very poor. She was uh, born during the depression and they traveled around looking for work in the uh, Midwest and the West uh, state of the States. And uh, in fact, at one time they lived in a, a tent. And I think because of that background and because of where she was at this time, in, uh, you know, in Lancaster that, and she was having these kids that she reflected on the past, but took the past that was an obstacle and she overcame it by sowing more into her family and other people, not just, I mean, we had, I don't know how many foster brothers and sisters we had in our home. Maybe not legally foster, but we had people always coming over to our house, staying for a week or, you know, we had a family one time that my dad, somehow they met and they, they got to know him, but they, they lived in New York and they had to come down to Lancaster. They were losing everything. And my mom and dad brought this whole family into our house and there were seven of them and there were seven of, seven of us. So there was 14 people living in this house. And I don't remember it being a problem. It was just such a natural outflow of my parents and how they loved people and opened up their homes. So that kind of behavior, you know, that begins to resonate in your own heart that you want to be like that, that that's just normal behavior. And that's maybe that's the key. It becomes normal behavior when you surround yourself with people that you want to be like. It becomes normal behavior for you to study, for you to to want to know more about what what you can be and, and where you can go if you surround yourself with people with that same mindset. So I would have to say my parents, I, I know that was a long-winded answer, but that's what it is. That's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard you <laughs> share that story. The ant story uh, is what yeah. I call it in my own mind. I don't know if you kind of have a title for it or not, but anyways, that ant story is, and every time you tell me and share that, story it just i can i can vividly remember i've i've had a little bit of a bullying incident when i was in first grade kindergarten first grade that maybe wasn't to that extent but at the same time i i it takes me right back to that moment for myself that i can vividly remember that and and i can see you going through that too and now that i've known you as a as an adult right how that event really transpired to the point where it's helped helped you right and as far as being able to communicate taking that adversity, turn it into a, a triumph and, and trying to get, get better with that through your mom's help, through support, through those types of things for sure. Yeah. And that's awesome. And what, what's amazing is because, because of that support, I came out of my shell in, in junior high. It took that long to even really, I mean, I had a couple friends, but to really come out of my shell, I, I uh, tried out for a play in eighth grade and I got the lead role. And I think it was because, and, and it was a musical, and because my family had been singing on the road and because those muscles from singing became strong, even though the quality wasn't the greatest, I, I got the lead role in that play in eighth grade and then continued through high school to try out for every school play thereafter, getting on stage in front of people, even though I knew there was, I was a puppet of this, you know, I think. I think because of that, I developed uh, something called synesthesia, where when I hear music, I see colors and shapes. Hmm. The same thing is true when I when I hear myself speak, I see colors and shapes. So sometimes I borrow an orange wave instead of saying something in yellow straight line. And it's it's a magical thing that goes on. I can't quite describe it, but it's called synesthesia. And it actually has been pretty fascinating to watch the world through those lens through that lens that's fascinating you've never shared that with me before at least not that i recall yeah. that's i've never heard of that to be honest with you that's say that term again synesthesia yeah, yeah synesthesia Every, like when i see people i see people in colors i i was speaking at a 
a businessmen's meeting many years ago is when I wrote my first book, this one right here, The Adventures of a Real Life Cable Guy. And I was asked to come speak to this group about being a writer. And there was um, there were some people in the group, and I mentioned this synesthesia. Well, afterwards, this woman came up to me, and she said, that's very interesting that you said that. Could you Could you tell me what my husband is? And she took me over to the table where he was sitting, and I said, I... I don't know if I want to say it. And she said, what? And I said, he's brown and he's got black and he's, you deal with depression and you feel like there's no hope, but there is hope. And your wife is green and she's got the life in her and she's trying to breathe that into you, but you have a block up. It's a black block, but you're basically brown. And he looked at me with a like, face like this thing. I thought, oh crap, I'm wrong. And he, and a little tear came out of his eyes. He's and his wife just started, yes, that's him, that's him, that's him. And I walked away because I couldn't handle it. I could not mm-hmm. handle it. And uh, so, yeah, you, you have a color. You're blue. I'm blue. Very blue. You're you're uh, excited. You're excited. You've got some drama, some some deep blue where there's stuff, some thick stuff you had to get through. But your your lighter blues are the the smiles and the love and the the genuineness that you have, the awareness of of your surroundings. That's who you are. You're a blue. So I, I've never told you that, but that's who you, you are. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. Talk yeah. about an instant smile. I just told, I just a total calm just came all over me. Instant. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, that's, what, that's what blue does. Blue, a blue person also brings calm to other people. Think of a blue, beautiful blue sky as compared to a murky waters. You know, this man I had met, he was, it was like murky waters. There was something very, very distressful about his life and i had to just step away from it uh because i i didn't want to touch it so i would as far as colors and, and we can go into this a little bit further that just blue i'm very drawn to blue the color blue okay. uh, the the book that we're in the think big book is blue uh the branding for this for the podcast is in blue the branding for my website is in blue the branding for my okay. everything is in blue. i like red so red's probably i would consider like my 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 like a car color or you know what I mean it's almost like I feel like that's adventurous but as far as yeah. like branding and just what makes me feel good blue absolutely is is my color yeah. and that's that's I had not ever thought about that until you just said that that blows oh. my mind <laughs> red red people are usually sharp in the sense mm-hmm. that I feel like they're they could dig into you without intention and there are also people that take risks uh and and I see people in different colors too there's certain people have different brand or different shades of color that perhaps like your blue might be different from someone else's blue. Yeah. Well, so I know to me, I see matter. like red, red being like, like, like a fantasy. Like that's what I like. Right. That's what I, I want to go do or be. Right. So it, it, it gets yeah. me excited. Whereas the blue is almost like kind of the day to day. That's kind of how I'm seeing it in my own mind as you're describing yeah. that. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah, red, is, red is a risk. It's somewhere you want to go, but you're not quite sure how to get there. That's uh, yeah. in your, Amen you know, to that. <laughs> that life in general for sure so dealing with that when and what helped develop that over time was when i became a cable guy you know when i was 20 years old i started to meet five six seven 20 people in a day's time so that got developed like majorly developed where you were I able walk- to determine who people were basically oh, yeah. just by sh- showing up yeah, and you can relate to them quicker because I could see who they are like that. Within three to five seconds, I could develop, okay, I know who these people are. I know what they need. I know how they relate. So I'm going to attempt to do that. And 90, I'd say 90%, 95%, pretty accurate, where I could develop rapport within a couple of minutes or within a couple of seconds, depending on that person. So, uh, And then when I tell the stories, the colors in the back of my mind, as I discuss things, people would say, wow, I felt like I was in the room when you were telling the story. Now, whether they realize it or not, the descriptions I was giving is coming from a, a color sc- schemed perspective. I, I may not use the color, but but it's coming from that perspective. Wow, that's fascinating. And we had never talked about that before. That's super cool. Yeah, we're going to have to dig into that, man. You're Yeah, that's super cool. I love that. But uh, uh, let's move on, and we maybe we'll come back to that too uh, towards the end. 
But as far as going into the second question, you've already talked about some of the challenges that you've been through with your story about the playground and that kind of thing. But the second question leads into about a a challenge and you can talk about the same one or even talk about possibly a potentially different one that you've had to uh, overcome. And what did you actually learn from that challenge? Randy, I think tying it back into the the birth defect, what, what you have a tendency to do when you are less than other people is you compare. So you see someone in the class who's accelerating because they're, they're raising their hand, they're answering the questions, and I sit there and I know the answer, but I can't do this. So at a young age, you start to compare yourself to other people. You don't measure up. You get to a point where, like, I wrestled in high school, right? So I, I would compare myself to the other wrestlers, although I did pretty good, but I, I would compare myself. When I would act, I would compare myself to that guy or that girl. Like they, they just are so much better. So it becomes a habit. And habits are hard to break if you can't replace them with something else. So I, I remember uh, I was in a band and we traveled all over the country. This is, I was asked to join this band when I was 18. By the time I was 23, we had contract uh, to do three albums. We did one and um, we were. The song I wrote, Saturday Morning Cartoons, you can hear it on YouTube. Just type in Damascus Saturday Morning Cartoons. It's it's on YouTube. I would compare myself to singer-songwriters. Like, well, they're better than me. They're better than me. And ironically, the song Saturday Morning Cartoons has been played on radio stations more than any other song on the album over the past almost 40 years. Wow. It still it still gets played once in a while. I hear about it. People tell me, hey, I heard your song. So, but still you compare. So what you have to do is you got to kind of, you really have to get egotistical, in, but not in an egotistical way. And let me, let me explain that. Who am I? What am I good at? What can I do from where I am with what I have? So you, you have to reflect on yourself. And then when you do that, you start to build on your strengths instead of somebody else's. So you do build your ego, but not in a, in a, in a way where you are uh, glorifying yourself. If anything, you are praising yourself, but you're praising yourself. You're not doing it in front of other people. So and ironically, Randy, what, ha- what has happened over, over time is I still struggle with that, just like the birth defect. I compare myself to somebody else. And ironically, they're looking at me and they're comparing themselves to me. I did a writer's workshop last uh, last week. And then this week I did I did two workshops. And when we were, we were all wrapping up, the one uh, the one attendant came up to me and said, I don't know if I'll ever I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be like you. And it was like I was looking at myself in the mirror. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You are the only you there will ever be. That's it. The the chances of you being born again in this whole universe ever again is absolutely astronomically out of reach. You are so unique. You are so talented. You have so many gifts that you, you can give the world that nobody else can. And when you start to see the value of that, it just it, it brings something up inside of you that you can start to build on. Like, I am valuable. I do have something to give. I, nobody else has written a book called The Adventures of a Real Life Cable Guy. No one else has done that. And you know how many times I'm on you know some Facebook pages with other cable guys, the cable gods and the cable wizards, and, and there's like thousands of guys on there. And once in a while, they'll mention the book or, or I'll bring it up and say, hey, I need some stories for a sequel. And I'll hear this. Ready? I'll hear this. Oh, I could write a book on that. Oh, yeah, I, I could write a book on that. Well, you didn't. I did. I did it. There's no other book like it. This is the, the most unique book on being a cable guy in the entire world. It's right here. And I did it. Now, I'm not egotistical. I'm just saying I did it. So, man, that's awesome. Slap myself on the back. I did something. So why am I comparing myself to other people? Because we never arrive. We're always on a journey. And we see someone three wrongs ahead of us and we think, oh, I want to be there. Meanwhile, there's somebody three wrongs down saying, I wish I was there where he is. And we really never arrive until we die because, you know, we're, that's why we call life as a journey, because 
we're we're always we're always moving ahead. When you die, I think is when you stop. When you just sit back in your chair at night and you watch TV and you drink a beer or whatever and you don't do anything. You don't you don't ask people their opinions, you don't read a book, you don't go see a good movie, you don't get together with friends and talk about life, you don't educate yourself. That's when you die. There's so much more to life. But anyways, comparing has always has one of been one of the biggest struggles and that's something I still do. Don't get, you know, I'm still doing it. I'm still learning how to overcome that. But I will tell you, the more I travel in this journey and make these progressive steps, the more I realize that I am unique, that I'm the only one that can, that can be Dan Armstrong. I'm supposed to be Dan Armstrong. That's it. I'm not supposed to be Randy Wilson. I'm not supposed to be somebody else that I adore and love. I'm supposed to be the best me, faults and all. Faults and all. Beautiful message. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So this kind of correlates into you've touched kind of all three of the questions, kind of with the answers that you've given. So I'm I'm really I'm intrigued to hear what the the next answer is going to come from as far as so I'm really big on wisdom. I'm like you're talking about the three rungs ahead and the three rungs behind, and you know, leaving the breadcrumb behind you as you go, right? Trying to help yeah. folks come along on this journey because at the end of the day, none of us know 100%. We might have a little bit more experience than others. Uh, but at the same time, the comparison, when you're looking at other people that are further than you, it can be challenging. Yeah. So one thing I try to do is I try to give some perspectives. So if you could, at where you are today, look back to your 20-year-old self and just at that time frame. And obviously, you've collected a lot of wisdom. You've gained a lot of experiences. It's like you're talking about the books and the movies and all of those things. Can you think of any nugget? You've already shared several, but can you can I can I prod you a little bit more for another gold nugget wisdom that you would share with your younger self? That somebody that that is two or three rungs behind us or behind you that uh, you know that could serve them today. I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who said, "the the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest." And if you're 20 years old or younger or older, use that to your, your benefit. You know, start putting back money every week, no matter what, whether it be a dollar, $20, $50, eventually that money will compound to where, you know, when you're, when you're 60, you don't have to work in the sense of going to a job. You can do anything you want to do. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing I think is, and and I, I do I, I do talks on this called being aware of your presence in the lives of other people. And that is not to be so much self-centered. I talked about ego earlier, but the opposite is not being self-centered in the sense that what am I going to do today? You know, this and that, but how can I serve wherever I am? How can I be aware of my presence while I'm in the life of other people? And what does my presence mean? What is the effect that my presence can have in the life of another person? Too often, I think we're, we're tunnel vision where we're not aware. We're not seeing the mailman who dropped a piece of mail and you, you're at your box and you pick it up so he doesn't have to get out of the truck. Or, or you see someone struggling to open a door. Or you hear of a family who lost their house in a fire and you don't know them, but you decide to do something to help them. Or you give money to your local fire department anonymously just to help them out. I spoke to a um, high school uh, a couple of weeks ago and I had this acronym that I use while speaking to some groups, not every group, but it's S-T-O-P, stop. And that is to say, when I when I talked to these, these kids, uh, most of them were getting ready to graduate, but I didn't know some of the stuff that was going on in the in some of their lives. We all have these things that are going on in our lives and we keep them private, but Afterwards, one of the teachers, administrators came up to me and says, you have no idea how impactful that acronym will be for some of these students. And the acronym STOP is S-T-O-P. S is for your struggle can become a strength. Your tragedy can become a triumph. Your obstacle can be overcome. Your pain can be a promise, a purpose, a passion, or a plan. And then I, I would go in and kind of touch on each one in my life. My struggle was learning how to, be, to speak. And now it's a strength. I know how to enunciate. I also know how to put a message out that makes sense. 
you know, my, my tragedy, there's many tragedies in my life, you know, having, having several concussions that, that literally knocked the speech out of me and uh, slurring. And, but one of the strengths, one of the, the triumphs that came out of that was, was memorizing facts and figures and numbers because I had to do the exercises to get my brain synapses to connect again. And using Ron White's uh, memory champion material helped me recreate those synapses. Uh, they became a triumph. Now I can memorize things like that. Obstacles, obviously speech, but maybe maybe someone in the audience had an obstacle of a bad relationship and it can be overcome in time. And the P was your pain. Obviously, we all have pain. And that's the thing. We Going back to the comparison, we always think the guy above us or lady above us doesn't have any pain. I remember a guy, Bob Proctor, who passed away last year, said something to the effect of, you think people that have a lot of money don't have any money problems. He goes, the fact is they have bigger money problems than you'll ever know. And if you had their problems, you wouldn't want them. And you think, oh, yeah, I would. No, you would not. So the pain can become a promise, but it can also become a purpose and a passion. How many times people have gone through divorces or deaths and that horrible pain has now become a passion in their life where they can help other people who have gone through that valley, that darkness, that struggle, and, and it be, they help them. And so we all have a message. And that, that's the thing. I think we all have a message. We all have something that we can sign on someone's life. I'm going to tell you something here. I, is, can I keep going? Please. My, uh, one of my daughters, uh, I, whenever, whenever I write something on someone's, an autograph or something, I might, sometimes I put a smiley face. Where, well, on all my daughters, I always put a little smiley face and then a heart and then I love you. Well, this smiley face is the same almost anywhere I've written it. And she loved it so much, she had a tattooed on, on her arm just a little smiley face and she'll never forget me. And I thought about this many years ago when I was in a band, people would come up and ask me for my autograph. And after a while I got a little tired of it. So I went out and I bought like a little pocket sized notebook. And after the concert, uh, they would come up and ask for my autograph. So I'd pull this out and I'd say, here, I'll tell you what, I'll give you mine. If you give me yours, really, you know, some people are like, what, you want my autograph? Yeah. Because you're valuable to me. You're valuable to me. And I, I, I always felt like that was, I don't know, it was just a way to lift them up. To, to, we're the same people. You know, we both sit in the toilet every day, right? We, we always, we have to do the same things. We put clothes on, we, we take them off, we, whatever. Then when uh, I wrote the first book, The Adventures, I brought my ladder into the book signing room and I had people sign my ladder with black magic marker. So I had a big sign, I said, uh, I'll sign your book if you sign my ladder. And it reminded me the other day when I saw my daughter's tattoo that I'm tattooed on her life because I signed an autograph. I made an imprint. I made an impact on her life. And it makes me wonder how often you or other people in the audience, you have made, you've signed your autograph on someone's life and you're not aware of it. And how often we negate that responsibility or maybe we, we we don't even know that we've had a part in someone else's life we, we've been responsible for someone else's achievement or or life because we said a kind word or we we paid for their coffee at a restaurant they didn't know it and and they go home that day and say wow someone bought my coffee or someone bought my meal wow and then it does something for them and you signed your autograph on their life you may never see it, but you did it. So I encourage people to, to sign your autograph on people's lives without thinking you need to be famous. I mean, that, that, that little pad, I don't know what I did with it. I wish I still had it. meant so much to me when I would go through there. And there are hundreds of signatures from people all, all over the country. And I look at their names and behind every name was a person. And I had an impact on them because they, they heard me sing or heard me talk. But they had an impact on me because I have their autograph. And so we're signing people's lives every day, every day, but we don't realize it. And I think that's going back to the thing I said about being aware of your presence in the lives of other people that we are, we are just, I, I am just amazed at how much 
you mean to me and, and how much so many people we've met in the last year and a half together have just turned our lives around because we've been open to it. You know, we're not closed. We're, we're open to it. We have an open, we have an open pad for them to sign in our book. Maybe that's a whole nother lesson there. Open your heart so you can get somebody else's autograph in your life. That's beautiful, Dan. You need to, you need to explore that a little further. I love it when you, <laughs> I love it when you do that. You have the ability to take concepts and put them into visuals that your ability to tell stories is a gift. And I know you've developed that gift over the years through your tragedies and triumphs and obstacles and all of those things yeah. that you've, you've described in the story so far up to this point in this podcast. But your ability to take an idea and to put it in a verbal communication or even a written communication is unbelievable. Your books that you've published, your speeches that you give, just being your friend and in your presence, it just brings me to a different level of awareness, of feeling. Uh, I, I hope folks will get that from you. And I know that they will because it just it just comes from you no matter in whatever form, whether you're listening to this, yeah, whether you're listening to this or whether you're watching us on, on video. Uh, I just appreciate you. And I wanted to take a second to tell you that you are by far one of my dear friends that I just enjoy just being around. And you're just, you're just a fantastic man. So I just appreciate everything you've shared so far. Uh, I appreciate you, Randy. I, I do. That, those are very kind words. And uh, I value them highly. You were, you were talking about stories. We all have a story to tell. And I, I was teaching this writer's workshop and I was telling people to now, what you said was very emotional to me, and you just signed your autograph on my heart. You just did that. And that, that meant a lot to me. And the nice thing is it was recorded. So when I'm when I'm having a bad day, I can watch this and, and feel that love coming through the ether. But when we tell stories, and I was telling this to the group, you know, bringing that emotion into your writing and describing it, living it while you're writing it. If you have to stand up because your character stands up, what do you feel when that happens? You know, when the man stood up and walked to the door, was it a wood floor? Was it carpet? Was it linoleum? What's the sound? What's the feeling? And when you describe that, it has a bigger impact. So that's where the storytelling comes in. When you can illuminate the reader's mind with details that bring what you're living uh, into their life as those we're living. And, uh, but my second book, Smart Dust, I'm going to do a shameless advertisement. Smart Dust, please do. The Dawn of Transhumanism. That's a big story. <laughs> this story, I had no idea I was going to write this book. I, I kid you not. I did not set out to write this book. It's got all kinds of coffee stains because this is the the uh, proofreading book that I do whenever I get an audio file for the audio book, and I have to read through it again. But what happened here, if you don't mind me describing it, was I had talked about a concept. I had read something in a, a journal, sci-fi, not sci-fi, it was a science journal about nanotechnology and this thing called smart dust. And I just, I, I remember sitting there thinking, wow, what if, what if, what if? And if you're a writer and or you want to be a writer, just that little cue of standing up and walking across the room, like literally stand up and walk across the room. and then then write down that experience. But also ask the question, where could this idea go? Or the question is, what if? So ask, what if nanotechnology could do this? What if it could do this? What if it could do that? And then what happens is you start to, I started to develop the story and I, I put a blurb on Facebook about it and I got some feedback. And I thought, oh, wow, that really had an impact. So I put a little bit more on and they, they, flooded me back like, hey, this is this is weird, man. So actually, I didn't mean to write the book. The audience spurred me on to write it. So I <laughs> I had to do research like you would not believe because I, I'm not a sci-fi writer. I just never was. It's, I don't know. If, I only read one sci-fi book in my life and it was 30 years ago. I'm just not a sci-fi guy. But I wrote this sci-fi book and it's gotten great reviews. Um, I, I got a, a filmmaker in the UK write an advanced praise on the back of the book. When I sent it to him, I said, hey, I, 
And I took a chance. That's the other thing we got to do. That's that red, Randy. That's that red color in all of us. Sometimes that red looks so scary, but we got to jump on the red wave. Uh, really, it's actually a rod. And when I see it, it jump on the rod. It's slippery, but you got to like claw your, your way up. It takes a little strength, takes a little passion, a little purpose, a little planning. But I jumped on this research and I started to write a book. And suddenly, boom. And I reached out to this guy and I said, hey, um, this is a shot in the dark, but I love your videos. I love your movies. Is there any way you could read this book and give me an advanced praise? And I didn't hear anything for two weeks. I thought, wow, you know, what, what was I thinking? But you know what, Randy, the whole thing is asking doesn't mean anything until it's answered. So he answered. And so I had to put that aside. Oh, he was going to answer, whatever. But when he answered, it meant everything to me. He says, yeah, I'd love to. So I sent it to him. Same thing happened with this book. I asked uh, Ron White eight years ago, nine, maybe eight years ago. Hey, Ron, uh, you don't know me from Adam, but your courses on memory helped reconnect synapses in my brain. Uh, would you read this book and let me know what you think? And he did. Uh, and, and he usually doesn't do that. Uh, but anyway, so th this got published in 2021, and uh, it's now in the UK, India, Germany, and there's another country I saw I purchased one copy. Um, <laughs> but it's a big story. But I didn't, I didn't mean to write it, it but, but uh, it was supposed to happen. So I let the creative juices flow because it, it became a passion uh, because I was being spurred on by people who were aware of their presence in my life. They connected to me. They signed their autograph. Hence the reason why you just kept going, which I has led to going. another book that is, isn't published yet, I don't believe, but it's kind of a, a carry on from the story yeah. of Smart Dust. So folks, I would recommend you go out and get a copy of Smart Dust and we'll give you a place here at the end. We'll definitely have it in the show notes where you can grab a copy, but there's been a new uh, version of the story that has hence become real and that you're working on, I believe, as we speak. Yeah, um, it's it's called Smart Waves, and there is a technology out there called uh, Voice of God technology. A couple of weeks ago, I was invited to someone's house, and he he was uh, his name is Doctor Hetrick. He was the star of a Discovery ID show called uh, The Coroner. I speak for the dead. So my brother and I went to his house. Uh, he has a 130-acre compound, and he invited another guy uh, who's a professor of integrative sciences at a university. And we're, he wanted to talk about, we had some other reasons for being there, but we got on, he wanted to talk to me about smart dust because um, he's very interested in the nanotechnology part of it. And I was very honored that he would want to talk to me about what I wrote, but also this other man was just floored at, at this information they were they were interested in, in how this came about and how i found the research and how i put it together as a as a fictional story or yeah a fictional story a novel based on real technology and during the course of the conversation dr graham said are you writing a sequel to this because this is this your novel is prophetic it just boggles my mind how you put this all together in one place and I said, yeah, I am. It's, it's something called smart waves. And I'm going to integrate the idea of FM frequencies, uh, frequency modulation, where you can implant, obviously, a fictional book. You can implant messages and influence a population, kind of like uh, an Orwellian communication, which I've never read that book, by the way. Uh, Big Brother, 1984. Never even read it. I don't want to read it because I don't want to be influenced by it. But the uh, the other the other PhD guy goes, whoa, what are you talking about? So I started talking about this thing called VOG, Voice of God Technology, and he look he goes, hmm. picks up his phone, starts looking at it, and I started to describe how you can in, implant uh, messaging in this, and he about freaked out. He was, what? Oh my gosh, it's and he, it's real, but is it is it being used? I don't know. But I said to myself, what if? What if it was? What could this be? You know. So I'm working on the second book called Smart Waves, um, and then I have an idea for a third book called oh. Smart City, and that basically is uh, I can give you a synopsis unless someone will steal it, but I don't, it doesn't matter because they're just ideas. Smart City is there's 
there are things called 15 minute cities. They're developing them now. And it's to lower the use of, uh, you know, gasoline and carbon emissions by, by making your world smaller. So everything you need is within a 15 minute drive or walk. So you don't have to uh, travel far and it's better for the environment. Well, my idea is that they create these smart cities after smart dust and smart waves have been imposed on society. And now the smart cities are places where we're all assigned to. And somewhere along the line, somebody comes out of the one city, gets to another one, realizes they have it better. There's that comparison thing, right? They have it better. So they they come back and tell people now, now there's these civil wars going on with all these smart cities. And uh, so that's the third concept. I, I got to finish the second one first. <laughs> How far away are you from getting to smart waves being complete? I'm I'm halfway through it. I got about forty or fifty thousand words written. I'd like to have about a hundred thousand to make it a decent novel. I had to set it aside uh, because we're working on the audiobook for Smart Dust, which should have been done last winter. But we're and that and that's something else I tell people: if you're going to hire people to do things. Uh, in the publishing world, you know, get get some references, get some people that can back up the people that you want to hire. I'm in a real pickle right now. I'm trying to get through this thing. We're almost done. And every time I think we're done, we hit another obstacle where something wasn't formatted right or we're missing a, a chapter or it's out of out of sync or something. It's it's just one of those things that um, I have to learn that, oh, this is this is a, a stop, a struggle. What's my strength from it? This is a tragedy. What's my triumph from it? This is an obstacle. How can I overcome this? And this is a pain right now. <laughs> but what will be the final you know, purpose of it? And so I do ask myself that all the time. There must be a reason why this is delayed. I don't know why, uh, but there must be a reason. So I don't, I try not to get hung up on it. I just plow through it. So that, that's the answer to smart waves. I, that's on the side for now, but it, I am working on it. Yes. Which is fantastic. So as far as things happening for a reason, and you don't know why, our paths coming in contact over the last 18 months or so has been one of the, the joys of my life. And I just know that this conversation that we've had and all the conversations that we're going to have in the future are just going to be, just keep growing, right? We just keep growing individually, which then we can bring those that information to each other and keep trying to give and support. And I just truly appreciate the time hanging out with you, Dan, just the wisdom that you share, the stories. I absolutely am fascinated with your ability to tell stories. So if folks want to learn more about Dan Armstrong, his books, as I mentioned, you've got uh, two uh, books that were co-authored with some folks. We were part of one of them. Uh, One of them, Think Big. I think you just had another one that just came out. Next Level Your Life. That came out. Another bestseller. But then you've uh, published Smart Dust. Yeah. The adventures of a real life cable guy. Yeah. I, your ability to tell stories will impact, as you mentioned, your autographs on folks' hearts and ideas and minds. Where can people learn more about you, Dan? Uh, you, you can go to danarmstrongtheauthor.com right now. That's, uh, that's the website, danarmstrongtheauthor.com. And uh, you'll see uh, under the book tab, three of the books. Next Level Your Life has not been put on the website yet. Um, the audiobooks should be available hopefully soon. You know, we'll see. I'm not going to worry about it right now. Um, there's also a little video clip that kind of gives you an idea. What It's like a movie trailer to Smart Dust. The publisher did that for me. Uh, that was pretty cool. But I'm going to tell you a real quick story. I ran, I, I got to know this guy named Randy Wilson because we were co-authoring a book and he was always this little screen on this, my computer screen. And just talking briefly in these Zoom meetings, there was just something about Randy. And I will never forget, and there's times in your life that you'll never forget something. And I've met a lot of people and I've forgotten a lot of people, unfortunately. But I'll never forget in May of 2022, I'm sitting in the breakfast area in the hotel in Dallas, Texas, and out comes Randy. Now, he's a lot taller than I thought he was, you know, because he always looked like he was like two inches, but he was actually like six one or whatever he is. But he, he comes walking towards me and my, 
my heart just leapt. I, I was like, oh, there he is. <gasps> so I stood up and I was like, we just hugged each other. Now think about this. We've never met, but we have met. And that's, that's the cool thing about this technology we have. We can meet and talk to each other and get to know each other. But when we have that physical touch, when I hugged him, I just felt like my brother. I just, there's just something special about it. And I think he was aware of his presence in my life. And I was aware of mine in his life. And the connection was just unbelievable. In fact, whenever we, we don't see each other for a couple months, and, and when we touch lives again, it's like we never, we never left that last conversation. It's such a beautiful thing. Thank you, Randy. Yeah, Dan Armstrong, theauthor.com. That's where I am right now. Then Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. Facebook. I think you're on Instagram as well at Dan yeah. Armstrong. Yeah, Dan author. Armstrong author. I think it's Dan Armstrong dot author. I think it is. Yeah. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, folks. So so don't sweat it. If we don't get them 100% correct, just go to the show notes. We'll have it all for you. Yeah. And the feeling's mutual. I mean, I love you, brother. I mean, it's been a fun, fun time getting to know you. Uh, I just know that you've left your signature on me. And I just know that with this conversation that you've done it with as many folks as that are willing to, to join us in this journey. So super excited to have you on. I look forward to having on you again. We didn't even touch base on a lot of the things I had in mind. I wanted to discuss, but uh, <laughs> part we'll two. Definitely, yeah, we'll definitely do a part two. We'll do a, you know, the, the smart dust, the smart ways. We'll figure out what the, what the titles will be. And we'll do a part two of Dan Armstrong. I look for, hopefully you'll, you'll join me for that. So. Folks realize that we are all on this journey that some of us are further, some of us are behind. I mean, it's all a comparison. Dan shared that with his stories, and it's we're all trying to figure it out. What is it? What is our passion? What is our purpose? Why are we here? And as we continue down this journey, uh, we just learn things from others. And I hopefully you found value in this conversation today uh, with Dan and I. Uh, I encourage you to find his books, uh, follow Dan on social media, uh, reach out to Dan, I would assume, and I'm, I'm kind of throwing this out there, Dan, but it, it's people reached out to you, they would be able to uh, gain some more wisdom about being an author, being a speaker, uh, This the colors, seeing colors in folks. I mean, that was fascinating in and of itself. Just realize, folks, we're all on this journey. We're going to continue to figure out, figure it out as we go. And hopefully this uh, message and this episode will be of value and service to you. So go out there, have a fantastic day. I look forward to connecting with you all very soon. And until then, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor, Jim Roden, shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Mm-hmm.